Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God sees the heart. And so if it's the heart of man that reveals the man, how am I going to know what's in my heart? Oh, the mirror of God's Word. See, the mirror of God's Word shows us us, the way God sees us, what's in our hearts. And so, because we can't see what's in our heart, we have to go to the one who can. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. When you look at a lake, you can appreciate the exact mirror image of the mountains that are ahead of you. But would you be so open to seeing the mirror image of your heart? Pastor J.D. gives some advice on where to look going forward so that your heart reflects what's in God's Word. It can be a beautiful view. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 27 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Listen to verse 16. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind. How's that working out for you? And grasps oil with his right hand. In other words, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. You want to try to stop it? It's like restraining the wind. You want to stop the drip, 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 drip. It's just annoying even me doing that. Drip, drip, right? This is like grasping oil. You can't grasp a handful of oil. It's going to slip right through your hands. It's an exercise in futility. Verse 17. This is what I wanted to talk about. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So we live in a day and age now where we have all of these, you know, time-saving electronic devices known as knife sharpeners. You just stick the knife in there. It's nice and sharp. Or you can take it in and have them professionally done. Or you can buy those knives that they advertise in those infomercials that I guess never need to be sharp, sharpened. They're so sharp, they stay sharp. I don't know, I've never bought those. I don't know if you have, but this is talking about a time when the way you would sharpen uh, is you would take two knives. When I was a kid, I remember my mom doing this. My mom was a cook, owned a restaurant, and was a very good cook. Oh, goodness gracious. You know how she would sharpen the knives? She would take two knives, and she would go like this. And sparks would fly. And there was friction, and it would get heated. But that's how they would get sharpened. That's what the proverb is saying. That's a friend. Remember that friend that just really wounded you and hurt you by telling you the truth? Well, he's here too. She's here too. That's a true friend. Well, the sparks might fly. It might get heated. There's going to be friction, but that's a good thing. Because that's how the sharpening takes place. And it even gets more 
descriptive because it talks about sharpening the countenance of his friend. Kind of gives it the idea that this friction, this heated relationship and friendship that is sharpening my countenance is lifting my countenance. And had it not been for that friction, those sparks flying, and the heat from the sharpening process, it would not have had that effect on my countenance. Again, every single one of us should have a friend like this. And pity the man, pity the woman. You'll forgive me for saying it so strongly, but I do genuinely feel sorry for anyone that does not have a friend like this. A friend who loves you enough to say, listen, um, I know this is going to get heated. I know the sparks might fly. Some of you are looking at me going, that's my marriage. Well, that's a good thing then. That's a good thing. Yeah, but it it gets heated. Uh, Between us, those uh, heated arguments, we don't, uh, you know, as pastors, I heard one pastor say, you know, pastors don't call them heated arguments. We call them intense fellowship. That's what pastors and pastors' wives do. We have intense fellowship. (laughs) No, we argue. We argue, and it gets heated, and the sparks fly, and there's friction. But what comes out of it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Again, I'll say it. I hope you don't mind me saying it. And I say it out of a sincere heart. You really are being robbed if you don't have a friend like this that can sharpen your countenance, that even though there's friction, even though it can get heated, you have a friend that cares enough and loves you enough like that. Verse 18, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. I think this speaks in the spiritual sense to how we our faithful servants to our masters so that on that great and final day we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 19, as in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. So picture this with me. Um, you're looking into the water, and what do you see? You see a mirror reflection of your face. Okay, so just as that water is a mirror reflection of your face, so is your heart a mirror reflection of who you are. We have a problem now, because we don't know our hearts. We can't know our hearts. Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them? They are beyond repair. And to make matters even worse than we can't know our own hearts, what's in our hearts, we can't see the heart. We only see the outward appearance. God sees the heart. And so if it's the heart of man that reveals the man, how am I going to know what's in my heart? Oh, 
the mirror of God's Word. See, the mirror of God's Word shows us us, the way God sees us, what's in our hearts. And so because we can't see what's in our heart, we have to go to the one who can, if we want to see what is in our hearts, because that reveals who we really are. Verse 20, this is kind of gnarly. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. What's this saying? Well, (laughs) just like you will never satisfy the insatiable appetite of hell and destruction, so too will you never satiate the appetite of one who tries to satisfy themselves with the things of this world. And boy, if there was ever a man who could speak to this, it was Solomon, who had everything his heart could have ever desired. All of this wealth. I mean, this man bought exotic animals, had them imported. I mean, monkeys and gorillas and giraffes and elephants. And he built these, you know, massive structures and had these parks. And I mean, he just, it's kind of like he would wake up in the morning and, and still not satisfied. What can I do now? Oh, I think I'll marry 1,000 more wives. That's uh, still not satisfied, never satisfied. In fact, the more you try to satisfy yourself with that which you were never meant to be satisfied with, the more dissatisfied you'll be. Maybe I can say the same thing in a different way you will never satiate the appetite with anything but the one who alone can satiate the appetite of man, and that is the Lord Himself. Only the Lord satisfies. The lust of the eyes. We see something, we lust after it, we want it. We think, oh, if I could just get that, I'll be satisfied. No, you won't. In fact, here's what's going to happen. I promise you, I guarantee it on the authority of God's Word and in my own personal experience, and I would venture to say yours too, if I can say that without meddling. (laughs) Some of you said you just meddled by saying that. So uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh man, if I could just get that new iPhone, I'll be satisfied. No, you won't. Because as soon as you buy that new iPhone, if you're anything like me, The last iPhone I bought, as soon as I bought it, it was obsolete. And as God is my witness, I I watched an advertisement and this big announcement, Apple came out with the new iPhone. I'm like, and I'm looking at this old iPhone going, this, this is, it's obsolete. I need the new one now. So then, this is, I haven't done it yet, (laughs) but I'm going to get that new iPhone. I promise you as soon as I do. In fact, I can predict, I'm a prophet, I can prophesy when the new iPhone is going to come out. It'll be right after I buy the current iPhone. I promise you, I can prophesy, I see it now. As soon as I buy that, I'm thinking, all right, I got the new iPhone, and then I'm, I, I'm satisfied for about an hour and a half, and then it wears off. And that's what the proverb is saying. You're never going to be satisfied. Oh man, being in the car business for as long as I was, I saw this play out uh, a thousand times a day. 
You know, it's, a, it's that new car. Man, if I could just get that new car, I'll be satisfied. I'll be happy. And all it would take is, you know, for the buyer to get in the car and that new car smell. Oh, I got to have it. You know what that new car smell is? Plastic. Yeah, plastic. And here's the thing, you get the new car and you drive it off the lot and uh, the next day you're going to be looking at that car sitting in the garage and you're going to see an advertisement on TV for the new model. And you're going to think, oh, I need that now. And you go get that one and you're still not satisfied. And you get the next one and you're still not satisfied. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, but it's never, ever enough. So back in the 90s, I uh, left the retail side of the business and went into the wholesale and started up a car buying service where I would actually help people buy cars, especially widows. And I networked through the AAA, the Automobile Association, American Automobile Association, because that's where the widows were, and their husbands had since died, and they are like lambs to the slaughter. They go into the dealership, and here their husbands used to buy them the cars, and they would go in, and the dealers would just take advantage of them. So I started up a buying service, flat fee. I said, I'll I'll negotiate the car transaction for you, and I will save you money, and I I will save you a lot of money. And um, so I used to do these um, uh, classes on how not to buy a car. In fact, that was the title of it, how not to buy a car. Okay. And, uh, and I would tell people, this is how you save money. So I had this one question. I would open it up afterwards for questions and answers. And I had this one question asked uh, by this AAA member. They said, uh, so what's the most, you've ever, the most money you've ever saved a car buyer? And my response was, I once saved a car buyer $25,000. How did you do that? Because by the time I got done with them, they kept their car and they didn't buy another car for $25,000. Because here's the thing, you you think it's going to be sometimes the best car you can buy is the car you already own right? So I would tell people, and this true story, say, you know what you need to do? Take your car that you hate because the television commercial told you that you need to hate your car so that you'll go buy their car, the new car. The whole industry is built on is to make you discontent with the car that you have. It's old. It's obsolete. It's the old body style. You can't be seen driving the old body style. Here's the new body style. And they have these models. I mean, the most handsome guy, the most beautiful woman with the biggest smiles. And they're there on your TV screen. And you're, here's what happens. You say, man, if I bought that car, I would be as happy as they are. They're not happy. They're paid money to act like they're happy, to convince you that you'll be happy and satisfied if you go buy that car. But you're not going to go buy that car unless, I know I'm going way off on this, but bear with me, there's a, there's a, a moral to the story. 
So I would tell people, here's what you do. And it worked. And I would get testimonial after testimonial from would-be car buyers that would thank me up one side, down the other, because I would tell them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go buy new floor mats. Get rid of those stinky, old, bus-up floor mats. Put new floor mats in. Um, Wash the thing, will you? Wash the car. And this is back in the days of cassette tapes. I know this was a long time ago. So you know that cassette tape that you keep playing over and over and go buy a new cassette tape. You need some new music in there. And, and uh, maybe get one of those things that makes it smell better because it does kind of, you know, you can actually buy, they sell new car smell spray. You can spray. That's a lot cheaper. I think it's like two ninety nine. That's a lot less than $25,000. I'll tell you that right now. And I mean, freshen it up, wash the thing, get some new floor mats, maybe get a new accessory for the thing. You know, get something new on the car. And you've got a new car. And you don't have $500 a month payments. You've got a new car and you own it free and clear. All right, verse 21. (laughs) The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. And a man is valued by what others say of him. In other words, just as silver is refined and gold is refined in the heat of the furnace, and that's how their value is increased, so too is our value measured by what others say of us. I was thinking in the context of a memorial service. And I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I think it's wise for us to think about, in fact, we're going to talk about this as a closing thought here in a moment, but I think it's wise for us to live our lives in such a way so that at the end of our lives, at our own memorial service, when people get up and talk about the impact that our lives had on them. What are they going to say about you? That's your true value. A man is valued by what others say about him. Verse 22, this is picturesque. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Try as you may. Beat it out of him, it's not going to happen. Grind it out of him, not going to happen. They're not going to change, and you're not going to change them. That's just who they are. Again, I think about Nabal. His foolishness would not depart from him. Verse 23 through verse 27, on to the end of the chapter, really is a... um, a series of life lessons dealing with the agricultural uh, dynamics. It says, verse 23, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. In other words, uh, be very careful. Don't take it for granted. I mean, you better remain diligent and vigilant, because you could lose everything. 
I mean, just because you're prosperous now, if you're not diligent and you don't pay attention and know the state of your flocks, your herds, you could end up losing it. There's no guarantee that it's going to last for generations. Verse 25, when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You, verse 27, shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. In other words, if you are diligent, hardworking, prudent, vigilant, you pay attention, you give attention, and you know well the state of your flock, of your business, of your wealth. Oh, it's not just going to be a blessing to you, it's going to bless all of those that are employed by you. You will always have whatever you need, and you will also provide for the needs of others. I want to close with this closing thought. I've been sort of getting this takeaway, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, from each of these chapters. And the takeaway from this chapter to me has to do with the emphasis on the wisdom of taking a long-term approach to matters. In other words, you're, you're approaching that decision with the long-term view in mind. How's this going to affect, what's the impact of this going to be in five years, in ten years? It's, it's being future-minded instead of just making a decision, a very important decision, a life-changing decision on the impulse of the moment. It's wisdom that really thinks it through, especially with those really important decisions where you you think, okay, so how will this be like, what will this look like in five years if I do this? I mean, take it down the road. Think future, think ahead, be forward thinking, as they say. And what will the impact of this be in even one year from now, five years from now? I think oftentimes we do err greatly when we make very important decisions on the basis of how they will impact us in the immediate future and not the distant future. And to do so, I think, is great folly and to err greatly. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. You can start in Proverbs, where Pastor J.D. left off, or turn to another book. Each one holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a top priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. 
This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates. We also have some helpful resources, too. You'll find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time for more from Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Call me, me true, true.